radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. If it's Friday, it must be Q&A day. Hey, hi, everybody. Don McDonald back again on Talking Real Money on a Friday when I put this up online. But, you know, the thing about podcasts is they linger for a very long time. You never know when people are going to be listening. But we have a production schedule, and Friday is Q&A day. So we've got some Qs. I hope to have some As. And uh, we'll see how it goes. And you can send those questions in, by the way. You can speak them in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. You don't even need to call. You just punch a button and you can talk through your mic on your phone or your tablet or your computer. Or you can get a good mic like mine. Well, okay, mine's probably just a little pricey. Uh, But you can get a good mic and sound great and ask your questions and um, I'll answer them like I'm going to do now. Good morning, Tom and Don. This is Ken calling from Auburn, Alabama. We hope you're both having a great day. You deserve it for all the good work you do on Talking Real Money. Our question today is prompted by the session you had with Jim Femia regarding college education, uh, specific to the 529 plans. With the SECURE Act 2.0, if $35,000 from a 529 plan, once it's been in there for 15 years, can be rolled uh, by annual increments into a beneficiary's Roth IRA. Is this amount specific to a single beneficiary or is it specific to a specific 529 plan? Since beneficiaries can have more than one 529 plan, we were wondering if the $35,000 was limited to the plan or to the beneficiary. We think we know the answer to this question because of something that sounds too good to be true. It probably is, but we're just looking for your input. Thank you very much and continue to have a great day. Well, thanks so much for being loyal listeners. Um, and I love this question because this change in the Secure 2.0 Act was just extraordinary. I mean, it really is extraordinary for parents or grandparents who would like to help a kid either go to a good college, or should they choose not to, have something that very few people have when they're young. And that's a massively funded retirement plan that can grow for decades. Now, here's the deal. You mentioned the plan must have been in existence for 15 years. Uh, and any money added during the, uh, the, the last five years before you make that change to a Roth is not eligible. But it is $35,000 per beneficiary, not per plan. So if you've got two kids in a plan, each of them are allowed to have $35,000 moved into a Roth IRA at no more than what the annual limit is per year at that point in time. So it is actually, well, it's not too good to be true, but it's pretty darn good and it's true. Yeah, it's per beneficiary. So, wow. I mean, I've run the numbers many times. And depending on how much you make on your portfolio, over the 40 to 50-year life, of these plans, these kids could be retiring, 
I've run scenarios that are not outside of the norm where that number comes out in the seven figures for just $35,000. Um, so, wow, is just, yes, it's such a good thing. What a great thing to do for kids. The trick is convincing them not to touch it no matter how bad their life feels. Really. It's so important that this money be literally untouchable. Thanks so much. We have more. In fact, we have more right now. Hey, Don, this is Brian. I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on the asset class that is called microcap. There's a lot of talk and information, obviously, on large cap and small cap, obviously, international bonds, etc. But I don't hear a whole lot about uh, the asset class with microcap. And I'm just wondering if you can talk about maybe a little bit what that looks like. Is it ever... Um, meaningful in a portfolio uh, or is it not considering its correlation with small cap value or if it's about the same compared to large cap and I'm just kind of wondering about it uh, just reading a little bit on it and um, there are a few funds out there and it looks like Avantis even has a micro cap ETF called AVSC and um, it's got about twelve to fourteen hundred companies, I think, and I thought, oh, that might be interesting just to hear from you and your your point and what you guys think about microcap and if that's something that potentially could replace a small cap value fund or be part of one in I don't know a uh, IRA or something that we own. Thanks a lot. Bye. Ah, the dilemma of our big brain. Yes, we tend to overthink things, don't we? Uh, micro cap, does it help? What we know small cap value has shown in lots of research from Dimensional and Avantis and all kinds of uh, academics has, has shown over time to provide uh, a slightly better risk-adjusted return to a portfolio over time in the past, but who knows what the future will bring. They haven't seen the same correlation in studies that I've read with microcap. So is it worth delving into a more dangerous, more risky asset class? Uh, you know, it's funny. You get a decent microcap tilt in Avantis's small cap value fund, AVUV. Uh, it's 64% small cap and 32% micro, which is higher than most small cap value indexes or higher than small cap value indexes. Uh, that number flips in the AVSC, which is the the small cap or the micro cap product at, at Avantis. But again, there there isn't, at least I couldn't find any evidence that shows that micro cap adds any additional performance potential, which is what we're talk totally talking about is just potential. So uh, would I add it to my portfolio? No, I wouldn't. Should you? Depends on how complicated you want to make it. But so far, at least the results haven't been terrific. Anything to uh, get you too excited about it. So stick with the, stick with the simple. I, I just, you know... For most people, it's just buy a total market index fund and add bonds for your risk tolerance. And yes, 
bonds are still likely to show some negative correlation. They have tightly correlated to stocks in a few periods, and they've neg- negatively correlated to stocks in a few periods. So, you know, it's nothing is forever. And just when you think you've figured something out, it's going to turn around and bite you. So, uh, no, would I use it? Short answer, uh-uh. But thanks for the question. I, I do appreciate it. Now, here's another. Yes, hi. My name is Scott. The reason I'm calling is I just turned 65, and I just retired from my job, and I took my pension in a lump sum along with some 401k accumulation, and I am now looking to create income for retirement, not to continue to uh, grow my nest egg for down the road. I'm out of the accumulation phase, and I'm into the distribution income phase. And I also have not turned on Social Security yet. Instead, I'm living on savings with and my wife's income that she has, and I'm delaying Social Security at least until I turn 66. So I had some questions about investing that lump sum or the whole 401k, for that matter, to create the income. And I'm looking at multi-year guaranteed annuities for, say, a five- to seven-year period, which will protect the principal, unlike an immediate annuity, and also provide interest income, which would be sufficient during the period that the rate is locked down. And then at the end of the five to seven years, I'll have to figure something else out. I was wondering about your thoughts. Thank you. Well, yours is a solution that an insurance agent's certainly going to love. Uh, But I guess, you know, there's nothing terribly wrong with it because it will provide you with the income you need. So it solves the problem you have, which is getting the income you need every year. However, you set it. Then you'll reevaluate in five to seven years. Well, I would prefer to have a plan that carries me past five to seven years. And what you don't have really is a true plan. You have the makings of one. You know what you need to live on, which is great. But what are you going to do about that future when that five to seven year period is up? You said it. What do I do next? You'll see then that's not a plan. That's not a strategy. That's kind of wishful thinking. And uh, there are I know that most of the uh, the guaranteed uh, income annuities right now, and again, that use that term guaranteed loosely, they're guaranteed by the insurance company, uh, that they don't pay a heck of a lot more than just CDs. So you could, for the fixed income portion of your portfolio, create a bond ladder that gives you some discipline. You see, this plan doesn't give you any discipline. It's kind of like, well, I'll get through the next few years and see what happens. The other thing is, is that the policies you're talking about probably don't have a, an inflation rider. And if they did, you're going to make a whole lot less money. 
currently because they've got to pay for that inflation rider somehow. So your income is going to become less and less valuable every year. This is why we suggest that people always have some sort of a growth component, even if it's just 10 percent, just 20 percent, because that gives you a little bit of inflation protection, the ability to grow the assets over time so that they can generate more income. And this is where we say the plan needs to be multifaceted. There needs to be a risk, not even a risk tolerance, both risk tolerance and risk need. And that assessment needs to be done. And then it can be as simple as putting it in the right target date fund for you so that you meet your risk tolerance or just building a simple portfolio that's uh, some sort of a total market growth product, even for a teeny tiny bit, and the rest in laddered CDs. Because remember, it's about discipline. And this is simple, but it's not disciplined, and it certainly isn't a plan. Thanks so much for the uh, for the question. We appreciate it, and good luck in retirement. And it's smart to wait. Wait until 67 if you can. Wait until FRA. But, you know, ma- yeah, make it last. All right. Anyway, on to our final question for this Friday. Hey, guys, I've got a 457 question. I work for a city and they have a traditional 401k and they give us 5% worth of our paycheck into that traditional 401k for free. We do not have to contribute anything to get that 5%. I do, however, put 5% of my paycheck away and just treat it like a matching program. But I'm wondering if I should be putting it in the Roth 457 plan as I'm 30 years old and all my other funds go into Roth IRAs. Both the 457 and the 401k have the same mutual funds, which include Vanguard funds. And I'm just wondering if there's any reason why I should not be putting it in the 457. I know I've heard you guys in the past talk about worrying about companies going broke and employees not getting their deferred compensation at the end of the day. But since I'm working for a city, I'm thinking there's a far less chance that the city will go broke than a company. So I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. Thank you for all you do and appreciate your time. Well, the big difference between a 401k plan and a 457, 401ks can be from private employers or public employers, be sponsored by. 457s only public. They are so similar in so many ways that, well, they're almost redundant. However, if they're only offering the Roth with the 457, then uh, it's probably a good idea to have both, which you do. With the 401, you're putting in uh, pre-tax dollars. And with the 457 Roth, you'll be putting in post-tax dollars. So you'll have taxable distributions and you'll have tax-free growth and distributions down the road. Uh, the What you're talking about, the, the 457 plan is not under ERISA. And ERISA has some rules and protections that aren't in place for 457s. But you're right. It's very unlikely that a local government will go bankrupt. Not impossible, but unlikely. And the bigger the government, the less likely it is. The the, the greater their tax base, the less likely that becomes. But I think it's a great strategy. I really, I, I do, because we can't know the future. So why not do both? Then you're covered. It's hedging our bets. And that's just about everything. We're, we're always kind of hedging our bets because we can't know the future. I know it's frustrating not to know it. 
Well, thank you all so much for being a part of this podcast. And please, if you have questions, it's so easy. It's so easy to record them for me. You just go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click the contact form, click the, click the microphone, speak into your phone mic or your computer mic, or if you have a really nice mic, good for you. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'll get them up here every Friday. Thank you again for being there. And by the way, if you need more help, for example, you're somebody who says, okay, I basically have a plan. I just need a little more tweaking on it to figure it out. It's not going to, there's going to be no cost and nobody's going to try and pitch you on anything to set up an appointment to meet with one of our advisors free. They'll just help. We, we want to help everybody. So go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on Meet an Advisor. You can even meet with Tom. And uh, please keep sending those questions in. Oh, 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 I forgot to mention. Saturdays. If you're listening to this on a Friday and you want to talk with us, well, we do, we do it live on Saturday afternoons, every Saturday afternoon from 3 p.m. Eastern Time until 5 p.m. Eastern Time, noon to uh, 2 Pacific Time at 855 935 talk 855-935-8255. So, so, so simple. Please do it. Thank you again. Take good care of yourselves. I'm Don, and uh, we're here five days a week talking real money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by a Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.